0: Uh, Nowadays, there's endless content, but but then content marketing came to play and turned the internet into a junkyard of keyword-based content, which makes it really hard for you to find the real good pieces of content for you to stay up to date.
1: Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leumi Tech. Sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Appos Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with c Tech. I love user experience, and today I get to talk to Tal Florentine, the CEO of Samurai, exactly about that. For the last decade, Tal Florentine has been one of the leading UX specialists in the Israeli market. Florentine is a published author, speaker, winner of the UX Award at San Francisco, and founder of the Israeli UX Certification Program. After leading more than 180 UX design projects for Fortune 100 companies, it became clear to him that audio is going to be bigger than video. Florentine founded Samurai, the world's first branded audio CMS, with the promise to allow busy people to know more with less effort. Samurai allows companies to create branded audio channels, add branded audio content to their customer journeys, and promote audio marketing. Tal Florentine, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Thank you so How much. How are you today? I- I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me uh, during these tumultuous times. Uh, I know it's a, a there there's a few uh, Zoom school sessions behind you, and I still appreciate you uh, coming and chatting with me about about your journey through user experience journeys, understanding why people do what they do. Uh, a journey that uh, until now has led you also to summarize um, which is the intersection of audio and marketing, and I'm excited to learn about how. You've got it introduced to this world of audio as a marketing tool. And what does that actually mean in 2021 and moving forward? But if, but if you could just take us back to this idea of, of user experience, UX has become, you know, a a word that is being thrown out a lot around context. And in Israel, it's, it doesn't seem like it's as a developed skill or trait. Tell me a little bit about user experience and, and how you're a part of that ecosystem
0: so I, I i'll go even backwards um, so my, my professional uh, experience comes from uh, joining the army uh to uh what is called Mamram, the uh, i d f uh, technology unit uh and i spent uh, around eight years uh developing and managing development of software uh for the army and i think it uh the the nineties and the beginning of the uh uh the, the first uh decade of uh of uh two thousand two thousand and ten I think we were mainly around uh software which is organizational and you had to be taught how to use a software uh by training and the assumption was is that using a software is, is uh a, a hard thing to do. And then came the internet Mm -hmm. and created some kind of a different type of uh, interaction between uh, people and and technology. And I think we started to understand that there's a higher importance to actually make things intuitive and help people use products as we expect them to use. Uh, And then came mobile, which kind of flipped everything and created a situation where you would basically have 40 seconds In which you either succeed in making me a successful user, happy user, or I close the app and say, I'll never, I'll I'll open it later, but then never open it later because I just marked it as something complicated. So I think we we had a very quick turnaround from uh, assuming that we're going to teach human beings how to use our complicated products to the understanding that there's no teaching and products have to be. Uh, Usable, But then I I think the technology world identified the opportunity to actually not just stop at usable, but also uh, help people behave the way you want them to behave or help them do whatever they do. So uh, I think this is kind of the overview of how I look at the, uh, I think, 25 years of of technology meeting people from my point of view. And uh, I think the. the industry by now understands that we have a way to support behavior and help people use products the way we want them to use or the way they need to use the product and it's not just uh you know graphic design uh align things and make them pretty so uh i think doing this transition over the last uh uh two decades uh, was something i was personally involved in uh in two different ways one of them is uh being a designer and actually designing more than 180 products that people gave me the responsibility and kind of, this is what I need. Give me back the screen that I need for that. Uh, so, so I, I, I try to create some kind of a a calculator, a statistic of how many times I I actually took a page, a blank page and, and turn it into a definition of inter interface for a screen. And I think this happened more than 6,000 times. Uh, and I think the, the the nice thing about it is that I was educated in, in, uh, in the world of software engineering, uh, I have a degree in software engineering, uh, and I, I brought logic to that world. So, so I, I brought the logic of algorithms asking, there's a question and there's a yes or a no at the end, and this has to work the same in design. So y- you can just either have it or not have it. This doesn't work for me. So. Uh, I think when I, when I identified that there is some type of an algorithm you can work with, uh, and it didn't exist for me when I looked for it online, uh, by the times I started to work on, on uh, projects for other people. Uh, so then I wrote my book and, and I, I turned that into something I teach. So, so the other part of my activity is, is kind of spreading my, my knowledge and understanding and helping other people, uh, find their way into that market, uh, in an easier, uh, process and enjoying proven algorithms that you can actually use in order to find the right uh design instead of just hoping that things will work for you which they never do so <laughs> right. this is the and teaching so part
1: with with the user experience you know it's a, it it sounds like it's it's much more complicated than just the design process it's actually the algorithm of thinking through how another user will respond to to what you're showing them and and I think what you articulated before with the competition and how you know there's a, prol- a proliferation of technologies that are now Competing for the users' attention, and so that so you know intuitively, the, these in order for them to compete, they have to be more accessible. They have to be more user experience friendly. Now, when you go through this transition with the ecosystem you mentioned over the past two decades, and you're and you're seeing this transition, and you're seeing all these tools come out and this understanding, what what is it about the world of user experience that is that is so different? Because it seems to me that that it's sort of this like odd odd figure in this ecosystem that a lot, that very few people really know how to deal with it. Why why is it like that? So I think there's, you
0: have to have a magical combination of skills in order for this to be really what it should be. So if we go to Mm -hmm. human factors, which is kind of the uh, mother and father of user experience design, you see that the main thing about uh, human factor design which turned into user experience later on is the fact that it's multidiscipline uh thing so so you basically have to mix different skills and you know it's so funny when you look at uh at, at uh, uh uh people trying to hire and recruit professionals, they say that you, you, it would be good if you have a, a, a degree from some kind of university, either psychology, design or technology. And and you right. you look at that and you say, but these are three different people. How come you, you it's okay for you to have one degree? This is, <laughs> if you take these three people and put them in the same room, they wouldn't have something to talk about. They, they almost have no common ground the perfect user experience designer would be the one who has all three degrees. And mm. who are these people? So you, you would probably have 10 of them in the world, right? And they're probably not looking for a job by the way. So right. so, so, this is where, where it becomes a magical combination because you, you have to bring to the room uh, insights from all uh, all of these disciplines and others and then the, the thing is that nobody else can do that. So if I, I come uh, to the room where there's no designer, I'll bring the design point of view. And if I'll come to the room where there's uh, a technology gap, I'll, I'll be able to, to cover the technology gap. And if I come to the room and everybody is technology and designers, which is kind of what usually happens, then I bring the human factor into the room and the human perspective and behavior. And there's usually no psychologist in the room. By the way, I'm not a psychologist that right. my, my education is not from psychology, but I had to learn so much about that. so I think uh, I, I, this is the, the the main element I had to to cover and comp, kind of learn on my, on my own in order to bring that added value. Right. and I think this added value is magical on on the technology world because there is no it, you don't have that point of view in the room uh, to begin with. You have sixteen right. developers or people who started as developers and now they are the CMO, CFO, CSA, whatever. uh, But you don't have the human factor as a standard in each room. And then what happens is that this is the unique value proposition you bring to the table, and it's always super valuable because it's. It's there's not not enough people represent the user in standard technology sessions.
1: Right. And so, you know, we can talk about user experience for, for hours and hours, and I have many, many more questions. But this journey uh, w- with your presence in the user experience field has led you now to Samurai uh, and talking about audio and marketing. And I'm especially curious to hear what is Samurai, but also, you know, going back and reflecting, how how does your you know, experience with user experience and as an engineer, how does that play out to the insights and understanding that you have as you're building out Samurai? So, so first of all, let, let's admit that it's kind of funny that after
0: designing 6,000 screens, I actually find the next thing without a screen, right? So, so it's kind of not the, the trivial way you would expect me to, to continue my, my uh, journey, uh, but I think Summary was born in in specific situation where I as a uh, as a teacher and as a uh, professional designer have to be the most updated person in the room. And there are two problems. One of them is that I don't have time to to actually digest the content. Uh, but there are much more than two problems. Uh, the second is that there is too much information on the web. And when I started dealing with user experience design, there was almost nothing. Uh, nowadays there's endless content, but, but then content marketing came to play and turned the internet into a junkyard of keyword based content, right. which makes it really hard for you to find the real good pieces of content for you to stay up to date and then add it to the fact that I have a really hard time reading, uh, and finding the time to read and then add it to the fact that user experience design is a multidisciplinary thing. Which means that I have to read everything about everything all the time. Uh, right. So, so then you come into a situation where you just can't handle it anymore. So I tried to find a hack and this is where I, I combined it with crowdsourcing. And I hired somebody to actually summarize articles for me. And then I have really? had to read the the, the summaries and oh. I found out that I don't have time to read the summaries. So then I hired uh, uh, a professional uh, voice actor. And I told him to record the summaries that I got. And then I started listening to the summaries of the articles that I actually marked. And this was where where my first magic happened. And I started getting to the room as a speaker and telling you, there was just an article on Forbes about that. And I was telling what's on the article, but I didn't read the article, which is, was kind of my secret wow. sauce. so. so The the, the main element here is that we found audio to be the way for me to keep being up to date without spending time on that. And it was around five years before podcasts became something that everybody understands. And Clubhouse is a thing, right? So six months ago, nobody knew what Clubhouse is in the local market. A year ago, nobody knew what it is in the international market. So... So I think what happened on, on that point is that I, I, as a designer and as a person who is always trying to figure out what's the meeting point between technology and human being and, and human behavior, is that I found that audio is basically solving a main problem of the need to kind of stay up to date on on top of things. And when I, I started Samurai as an as on-demand service, but then I moved it into a B2B uh, service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at that point, I'm kind of doing the, the next step of where audio is going uh, a bit before the market, because I think if you go to marketing, and this is where Samurai is uh, today, if you go to marketing and you see that content marketing is for mainly for B2B companies is creating a lot of content and trying to educate your audience. I think there's no understanding yet that the audience is not, doesn't have the ability to be educated because they have too much information. And if if you look at their, you at their, their timeline, you see that there's no room in my day to actually digest your awesome white paper, blog right. post, PDF document, or or video or whatever you have there because I'm filled with too much information. And uh, by the way, we all lose because you created awesome content and I, I don't find the time to be educated. So I'm stuck where I am. So, so then we start having our professional education with the secondary time with podcasts and so forth. And then what I think, uh, will happen and we're preparing for that is that companies will understand that they have to transfer their content into the secondary time and audio and it's not podcasts because podcast is just one type of content, uh, and, and sound uh, uh, and clubhouse is, is live. So we actually have to be there, but I'm talking about situation where, when I bumped into a text content, what I would like to be able to do is mark that in order for me to listen to that later. So and even get a summary of that or something like that. So, so then you understand that creating audio channels, which are branded as a tool for marketing and uh, for creating audio based channels and repurposing content into audio is something that's, for me, it's kind of the obvious next step of everything. It's kind of where everything is going to, and it's amazing how, how trivial it is for me and how not trivial it is for, for the market at that point. Uh,
1: now, do you think that is because you have so much experience and so, mon- so much time investigating user behavior and thinking about consumer behavior and how people digest information and, and what what they do with it? Is is that why you think you have this added layer of insight into developing something that is perhaps even a little bit before the market which has its own challenges because you have to really time it well to make sure that that you're doing it at the right time even if we both agree that in 10 years that's how the world will be you have to decide as the you know as the as the leader of the ship you know when when to actually execute on this
0: so i think there are two factors in that uh, one of them is the fact that I've spent my last six years dealing with this question. question. And the second is that I come from mm-hmm. the state of mind of user experience design, which is kind of uh, an added value for me because I can mix the the different elements of that, uh, the design element of that and how I can, and can create that uh, behavior and the technology element of how to actually uh, make that work and right. the human behavior of how to create the right uh, uh, interaction around that. So, so, so having that added value and spending f- five or six years dealing with that is kind of, I, I guess, would be a unique thing for, uh, for somebody in the market at that
1: point. Definitely. Definitely. Tal, I, I really want to thank you for coming and sharing with me your journey, both from the user experience perspective and, and, and with Samurai, uh, I think that at the end, you know, the inspiration that I'm getting from from this is this idea of just understanding, you know, human behavior, understanding, you know, customer needs. It, it doesn't come, you know, I don't think there's a textbook that I can read to to define that, but it sounds to me that from your experiences and from... Six thousand screens, and you, and both your understanding of technology, but your understanding also of design, uh, coupled with the the understanding of how com- of the complexity behind this this question of what we were talking before about the three degrees in a room, and and having that added value, culminating now in Samurai, uh, which is changing, you know, user behavior, consumer behavior of how we digest content, but also how we create content on the other side of the marketplace. And I think that's just very, very cool. Uh, I have three final questions for you, uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, What would be your favorite subject in middle school or high school?
0: So I think I was uh, I combined my love to uh, to sports. I think sport was one one of my main uh, things. But but I think in in the rest of the time I used to uh, spend my my time uh, drawing on the tables, and I think this was my art school. So <laughs> all of the time was was kind of my art school. So this is what I I remember from from being a student, uh, <laughs> kind of spending time drawing and and, and kind of creating my design skills uh, instead of listening to history. Amazing. So, so I think
1: this would be my favorite subject. Amazing. Who would be one of your role models or somebody that inspires you? So,
0: so I'm not sure I have a formal role model, uh, but if I have to choose uh, one, I think it would be Donald Norman, who is the uh, founder of user experience, or is the the person who coined the the definition of of, uh, of user experience. And I'd give him two two factors of credit for that. One of them is the fact that he actually created a profession for me to enjoy for the last uh, I, I don't know fifteen years or so. Uh, and second, because uh, at, at that point, uh, I, I think one of the things that I look up to is people who decide to actually show the way for others, which is not trivial, you're, you kind of, you're, we're optimized to following and not to be, to, to, to be the ones being followed. And I, I think there's a decision making you have to make and decide to be the one that actually provides others their, their kind of North star of where they should go. And this is totally something I take from him and I'm following him, but, but it's kind of, what would it take for me to, to take this decision and be that for other people? This is kind of an inspiring thought for me.
1: I love that. And the last question, what are three words that you would use to describe yourself?
0: So as I'd go with, with the trivial concept of design meets logic, I think this is kind of my, my double personality combined I, I think this is kind of something that represents all of my uh my professional and personal uh journey so yeah
1: design meets logic i love that tal to thank you very very much this was uh, this was great it was wonderful thank you for coming uh, and stay safe and stay healthy you thank, thank you. you so much